I'm super, super, super excited to tell you about my sponsor, Southwest Trading Company. Southwest Trading Company is a native-owned business located at 1306 East 11th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you've never been to Southwest Trading Company, you need to go check them out. Right now, if you can, or after this podcast, or during the podcast, but either way, go check that store out. They have a lot of great items from different artists from all around, like jewelry, blankets, art, clothing, cedar boxes, indigenous home decor, car accessories, totes, and so much more. You could spend hours in this store. I'm not kidding. I went to the first time and I think I spent like maybe a couple hours maybe just looking around at everything they have. I mean, it's so unique. If you haven't yet, Southwest Trading Company also has a Facebook page. So if you have not yet, go like it and follow their page to keep up with all new items and events they have going on at the store. Once again, I'm super excited that we get to build together. The location for Southwest Trading Company is 1306 East 11th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Go check it out, everybody. Thank you. Listeners of Okie Podcast, I want to let you know about my sponsor, Moonlight Beading. Moonlight Beading is owned by Cherokee Nation tarot artist Danielle Campbell. If you don't know who Danielle is, she was on this podcast on episode 54. But Danielle is very passionate about her artwork and she has a wide range of art from beadwork, basket weaving, paintings, and more. If you would like to get a hold of her, you can contact her on Instagram at Moonlight Beading or at Danny underscore Campbell 5 or on Facebook as well. You could, you could also email her at MoonlightBeading at gmail.com. Go hit up Danielle, let her know you want some work in, some orders in, all of that good stuff. And let her know Russ from Okie Podcast sent you. Thank you. Everybody, welcome back to Okie Podcast. I have another amazing guest today. He is a stand-up comedian, a father, and a husband. Today's guest is Beef Arshambo. Yeah, did I get it right? Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> That's my only concern. <laughs> I got one of those names where like people just take a stab at it and Ever since high school, man, it's it's been butchered so much. It's just kind of like you just learn to go with it. You're like, yeah, that's close enough, man. <laughs> What's the worst one you've heard? Holy cow, man. I get a lot of like Archambolts. You know, that's the, I, I think that's the main one is, is Archambolt. That's what uh, I thought. <laughs> yeah. So when I was in the service, guys just called me Archie. Like that, that oh. they cut it all the way down to, you know, it was like, oh, I'm not even going to say it. Archie, Archie, where's Archie? You know, like. <laughs> I figured that was me. I was like, yeah, yeah that's me. <laughs> Archie. All right. <laughs> but now it's beef. Yeah, now it's beef. I've had now that name beef. since I was a baby. Really? Yes, sir. Beef. All right. All right. Well, um, so for the listeners, bro, 
can you let them know you know where you're from what growing up was like how beef became the name and then what kind of just led into being a stand-up comedian holy man um uh, there's a lot to unpack there uh so i'm originally from port Belknap, montana that's where i was uh born and raised it's in north central montana um i'm an enrolled member of the assiniboine tribe there i currently live on the fort peck reservation in poplar um and uh, let me see how i got the name beef so i was when i was younger um and also let me know if i cut out man my i don't my internet's kind of being funky just you know like i'll just keep rambling on but so anyways um i was huge when i was a uh a baby like when i was born i was like 10 pounds or something like that man i was really and so my dad my dad actually called me beefcake that's what it started out as was beefcake and then as i grew up and kind of got into grade school um he he changed it to they would just call me beefy and i hated it man like i wouldn't they would call me that in front of my friends and i'd get embarrassed you know like that one time my mom was um she was there to pick me up from school and she was like beefy beefy and i heard her but so did my friends so i was acting like i didn't hear her you know i was like come on guys let's go this way you know and then she finally said my real name she was like donovan and i turned around you know like how what yeah okay mom and uh you know, so then, and then kind of like in high school, everyone found out my name was Beef. And then um, that's just what everyone called me. Um, and they and they still call me that. See, because I'm also a junior. I'm Donovan Archambault Jr. That's also my dad's name. Um, and everyone calls him Donovan. So like when people call me Donovan, it feels weird. And Oh, uh, oh yeah. Okay. So the stand-up part, the stand-up part. All right. Oh, you almost oh. cut out. I was oh, like, oh, man. God. I know, right? <laughs> okay. So, okay, let me see here. How did I, how did I become a stand-up comedian? So I remember growing up watching, um, watching my favorite comedians and really I kind of, I didn't know, you know, other than cartoons and, and things like that. Like I didn't kind of know what a comedian was or as far as a stand-up. I mean, it was being done out there, but we just weren't really exposed to it. In fact, some of the first guys I seen stand up on a stage and do, you know, stand-up comedy was like, um, way back when, um, um eddie murphy was doing it um i seen a few i seen some george lopez uh specials george carlin um you know guys like that um and i remember like they didn't have back then they didn't have comedy central and they didn't have netflix they didn't have all of these platforms where you can watch a stand-up comedian you know like the the only guys that kind of had made it were the guys who had an hbo special that was kind of the signature thing was if, if you had an HBO special, you were legit, you know, like, holy man, he's on HBO, he's wicked, you know. And, and so, like, I, I grew up watching watching these guys just, just entertain thousands of people. And I always thought that was cool. And then, like, like where it went to the next level was I saw a guy by the name of Don Bernstick. Um, I don't know if you know Don, but mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a comedian from uh, Canada. And uh, I saw him perform. Well, really, I heard him. I had a CD of him. And it was like, uh, uh, remember Foxworthy used to do those? Like, uh, if you if you have a house that has whatever, 13 people living in it, you might be a redneck. Remember he used to do those? Oh, yeah. Um, I remember that. Well, Don Burton used to do 
you might be a redskin. You know, it was kind of like the native version of that. And it was, you know, he used to do all of these things where, you know, he'd say that after kind of was his punchline. And, uh, you know, like he just, he had these different CDs and albums out. Well, anyways, I, I, uh, I went to, I went to a conference over in North Dakota and he was there and he was doing comedy. And, um, I, I don't know, man, I just remember watching him. And then like, I just kind of like right there is when I made a choice that I wanted to try that. I wanted to do that. Like, I didn't have, I didn't even care if I was successful. I just, I wanted that, you know? Um, and then I got, a uh, this friend, I got a friend named Alray and she was, uh, she was always encouraging me and, and kind of pushing me to, uh, to try that. And she would put on like, you know, these different, uh, um, trauma healing conferences and things like that. And, um, she would try to hire me for entertainment. And I would always, I would always talk myself out of it. I would always like, you know, come up with an excuse. Cause, uh, you know, like really in hindsight, I just, I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to try and find out that I sucked at it. And, you know, so I would just make up excuses like, oh, no, man, I'm busy that weekend. Sorry. And I wouldn't even be busy. I would just say that so that I didn't have to do it. Well, one time it was April. Oh, God, I want to say 19th or 20th, April 19th or 20th, 2011, um, 11 years ago. And uh, she gave me a call and she was like, uh, hey, I'm putting on this conference in Missoula, Montana um, on this date. You know, do you? I'd love if you would come down and uh, we're having Tatanka Means as our headliner and we'd love if you'd be an opener. And I was like, man, I was so nervous inside. Just, I was trying to already think of a lie, you know? And I was like, oh, oh. And then something was just like, do it, man. Just do it. You know? And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. You know? And then immediately, man, started to get like, kind of like, oh shit, uh, you have to do it now. You said, yeah. And, um, I remember hanging up with her, man, and I had like, I had wicked butterflies and like, like I was so nervous, you know, and so I started writing jokes, man, I started writing, like whatever I thought was funny, we can talk about, I don't know, talk about any stuff, talk about food stamps, talk about all this other stuff, you know, so I get my material together and I go down there and um, I'm just about ready to go on, and uh, I remember I wrote a food stamp joke, and I, I couldn't even tell you what it was to this day, it was so like, it's been that long. Um, but there was, a uh, one of my friends was down there, um, Aaron Bryn and he, uh, you know, I seen him, I was like, Oh, Hey, what's up? And he was like, Hey, what's up, man? Are you doing this? You know? And I was like, I was like, yeah, man, try it out. You know, it's my first time. He wished me luck and all that. And he was like, man, please just, please don't tell another food stamp joke. You know? And I kind of <laughs> burst my bubble. I was like, bro, that was my opening. Ah, oh, and they kind of, you know, gave me like a, like, well, shit, what am I going to do now? You know, and then, and then he kind of like seen, you know, that, that I was going to open with that. And he was like, I'm sorry, bro. Tell whatever joke you want, man. No, no, tell that one. It's going to be good. You know, anyway, like I went up there and I don't know. I just, from my recollection, it was horrible. Like it was, I just remember being so nervous, like not even making eye contact with the, uh, you know, with the audience, just kind of looking at the floor going through my material and I just remember like pulling random laughs you know like some people would laugh over here and so like I thought like oh well I'm not a complete failure you know and I'd say another joke or whatever and people would kind of giggle over here but like man my like the Eminem song my palms were sweaty like I was <laughs> I was so nervous you know and I was like 
oh man and it was just it was crazy but i remember getting off that stage and and uh people clapping you know kind of encouraging even though i probably suck but you know when you you know when you put yourself through that or you, you kind of face that you know you people like that and and that's that's what i felt and i remember getting off like like thinking uh well that that didn't go it could have gone worse you know that wasn't too bad and my wife was giving me words of encouragement good job babe you know and, and but in my head i was just convinced like like that was horrible i need to step up my game man like you know i need to do this more often and get in front of as many people as i can as often as i can um you know just to try to hone this skill like if you really want to do this that's what it's going to take and so kind of like it went like that for a while you know and i just kept getting uh trying to get my name out there i made my own flyers you know like um my brother is kind of self-taught Photoshop master. So he would help me out. Like, bro, let's take a picture and let's, let's like make it look like there's people behind me. And, you know, like, like all this stuff, man, just kind of like basically fronting just, just to try to get a gig, you know? And then, um, yeah, man, it went like that for, for a long time. And, and I just kept, you know, writing material and writing material. And then, um, you know what it felt like it really kind of took off took off was like um probably end of 2019 going into 2020 it felt like for the first time because up until then you'd do like me i would do like maybe three gigs a year you know one and they weren't even the like the big casinos it was like a a, a boys and girls club here or uh some kind of event over here um I did this one, I did this one gig where uh, they wanted, they were having, I forget what it was, like the actual conference, what it was for, but like they were having a banquet and they wanted me to do comedy during the banquet. And at the time it sounded like a good idea. I was like, yeah, man, heck yeah, I'll be there. But trying to entertain people while they're eating is the absolute worst, man. Like as a, as a performer, uh -huh. man, I despise those. Like, <laughs> and I've, I've, because here's what happens, you know, when you sit down and eat, like you're, you're not really trying to pay attention. You know, you're trying to talk to, you know, this person over here or this person next to you about the, the, uh, the conference and what you took away from it, or you're making plans. To, you know, you're not really, you're not really focused on it. And that's how it was, man. I was up there telling jokes, you know, and, and there were like three people looking at me and everyone else was, you know, clanging silverware on their plate. It was just awful, man. It was like God awful. But then you're, you kind of got up there, you committed to it. So you started like, like, uh, muscle through, man, just keep telling, you know, and then I, I just remember like, it was, it was like, ah, uh, I'm never doing this again. But then I did, I did it again. And I did it again after that. And, um, yeah, man, like, that's just, that's just how it went. And, and so like, you know, kind of mid to end 2019 into 2020, no, I'll back up more. It was probably beginning of 2019. I got together with a, um, a good friend of mine, Milo, Milo Smith. Mm -hmm. um, and he was, uh, he was booking shows and he, uh, you know, he got us, he got us, I don't know, probably five, six shows lined up, you know, and they were kind of like, uh, you know, some were, some were a month apart, some were a few weeks apart, um, you know, but we were kind of on a roll there. And then towards the end of the year, we, we hit it again with all these holiday shows because people want entertainment for their, christmas banquets and thanksgiving banquets and you know kind of all that stuff and so all of these holiday gigs come up um 
you know, and then that rolled right into 2020 and, and like our schedule was kind of starting to fill up and then COVID hit, you know, and I kind of just shut everything down, man. And, but, um, you know, it's kind of starting to pick up, you know, we're kind of getting, getting people in seats again and starting to fill up arenas and actually people, you know, going back to normal or, you know, if you want to call it that, mm -hmm. um, and it's starting to pick up again, but, um, yeah, man, that's kind of in a nutshell, that's kind of been uh, my 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 stand up journey, you know. Yeah, I see. Everybody's just really ready to just start going back out again, you know. And I do see, I do, I did see that you're coming to Oklahoma. Was it August seventh? Yes, sir. Yeah, you and uh, Tatanka. Yes, sir. Yeah, Bricktown Comedy. That's gonna be a good one, man. Yeah, we well we went to the uh, Casey Nicholson and um, Tanya Joe Hall one just this past month. Killer. That was that was crazy. Like that place was packed with natives. Like it was so cool oh, to nice. see that too, man. And I really want to make yours too. So I got it written down. You know, hopefully, nice. hopefully, nothing nothing crazy happens to where everything gets shut down again. <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. I think it'd take half an act of God to you know, for people to kind of go back to that. I know. I don't know. I just think, you know, we, we went through the worst of it. We kind of went through the fire, you know, and then now there's still some hot coals on the ground that we might have to walk through. But like, I think the worst is done. Yeah. Very true. But yeah, that's cool, man. I love how, well, I mean, that's with everybody too. You know, it's like, they don't want to be so vulnerable. It's, it's scary to be vulnerable. It's scary to, you know, like we were talking about earlier, just kind of get your foot out there and you don't know what the um, outcome is going to be. You know, you're just kind of just you're just winging it. You're like, oh, God, I don't know. But you do it anyways, you know, and that's I love that, you know, everybody has that in common. That's, you know, tried something like this. You know, they they don't know the outcome. They don't know how because I mean, yeah, you can you're going to be successful, but nothing happens overnight, you know, and it takes time. It takes time to write these jokes. It takes time to learn these lines. It takes time to build whatever it is you're trying to build, you know, and it, it's a lot of patience, you know, and I admire that, you know, you just kept going and you kept making excuses. That's how I was too. I'd always make all these excuses like, Oh man, I, I'm sick <laughs> or something. <laughs> well, the thing of it, the thing about that was like, usually people, you know, like, like they try it and they suck at it like I did. And then they make excuses, you know, like after that, mm -hmm. I, I had never had a show, never. I just expressed interest to do it. And then every opportunity that would come up, oh, I can't, man. I, oh, no, I got to help my mom, you know. And it was like, bro, you don't even know. You didn't even try one yet. Like we're, you know, and so that was all of that kind of that, like internal struggle, you know. Um, But yeah, yeah no, no, like what you were talking about that you don't know the outcome that's called jumping, you know, and it's not, it's not just like that with, with the performing arts, whether you're an actor, a comedian, a songwriter, uh, or whatever, like, like that's life in general, you know, that, that, that's life in general. Like it takes a lot to jump, man. Um, you know, we get settled in like these little, these little comfort zones where, you know, everything's safe in this little zone that we build. And, um, there's the problem with that 
is inside that little zone that you build, this little comfort zone, okay, there's no room to grow. There's no room for yourself to grow, for your life to grow. There's no need for it because all your needs are being met and, and you got everything set and you wake up at a set time and you go to a set job and you, you get a set paycheck and everything's that way. You know, everything, everything's comfortable and nice. But when you, when you decide to like, say, venture out and, and, you know, make yourself vulnerable, try something like that. You know, like uh, Steve Harvey's the one who I heard explain it the best was like, it's like you're on the edge of a cliff, you know, and you don't know what's down there. You don't know, but the only way to find out is to jump, you know, and sometimes um, I think he used the, the analogy of a parachute, a parachute opening up. Um, and he said, he said, you'll never know if your parachute is going to open. You don't know. Like, that's the fear. What, what happens if it doesn't? And I, I fall all the way to the bottom and whatever. Um, but people, when you look out there and you see people like just living their best life and on beaches and, and mountaintops and in hot air balloons and in whatever else people consider to be successful and fun. When you look out there and you see people doing that, those are the people that have jumped. And they're soaring around their parachutes, you know, they're flying around. And it's like, what do I have to do to, to live that life? What do I have to do? And that's how he explained it was like, you have to jump. You have no way of knowing like when your parachute will open, if your parachute will open. Um, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll bang against the wall. You get scraped up, you know, you call that falling down. Um, I failed or whatever, but, but if I really want this to work, do I stay down when life knocks me down? You know, when I, when I fail or do I get back up and try it again and go get this thing, go work for it, you know, cause that's, that's the part about success is that, and, and, and I can speak to that. Like that was a legit fear of mine. What if I'm not as good as I think I am? Like that's scary, man. You know? Um, but the thing about that is that, that, that can stop a lot of people. The fear of failure can, can stop a lot of people from trying. But, but something that was shared with me was if you're not ready to fail, you're not ready to succeed because mm -hmm. that's part of it. That's part of success is failure. You think about anybody successful in, in anything like right now, just just sit back and picture somebody successful. Like, okay, yeah, that guy's really successful. You think that guy hasn't failed in his life? You think he got it right on the first time, everything he's ever done? Absolutely not, man. Failure is a part of that success. And you, you have to look at it like that. You have to look at it like, like, look at, I didn't fail. I learned something, man. Like this was a life lesson. I can grow from this and be better, but you don't, you don't get to those points by staying on the cliff, you know, staying on the shore. You got to jump, man. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Bro. Like, <clears throat> I mean, that's exactly what it is, you know, and everybody thinks like failure is, it's just the ultimate uh i guess out to quit maybe like oh you know well, that didn't uh, that didn't work you know and then they just they just stop doing it but failure is a, they think it defines them like that's their fears like if i fail that's gonna define yeah. me that's gonna be who i am i'm just a failure like no man no yeah it's a lesson like they don't what would my friend call it he didn't call it failures he, he just called it a dang it i can't remember what he called it but it's pretty much just a lesson learned like okay well that didn't work that way so how about i do it this way you know and then just keep just keep adding to your arsenal and all this stuff man it like makes it makes you 
I like to think it makes your skin thicker, you know, like when oh, yeah. maybe when something bigger comes your way, you'll look at it like, all right, well, you know, maybe I'll try it the same way or I can go a new way at it or something. You know, it's like yes. because by then you're battle tested by then, like you've you've been through it, you know, and that's and I always I always say, man, it's like, you know, never, never rush anything because anything that's going to come your way will happen on its own time. You know, all this preparation, all this work you've done before that. I mean, it's just, it's just getting you ready for that prime opportunity, whatever it is, you know, and, and you'll be ready, you know, no matter what it takes a couple years, five years, 10 years, shoot what there's actors that work for 15 years and they just get discovered in that 15 years or years for some 40 years. Yeah. I mean, it takes, takes a lot of, you know, just, execution and i mean it's it's like i used to do jiu-jitsu and it take if you go to jiu-jitsu consistently it takes about 10 years to get your black belt but if if you got a family if you got stuff going on you got a life takes about 20 i'd say you know and and then once you get that black belt you're still gonna learn stuff like you're not just some master already like you're just you're still learning throughout everything you do right and I mean, that's all it is, man. It's time, you know, it's just putting in the time it's receiving time. It's, it's networking. It's, it's all this stuff, man. And, and I mean, you never perfect anything is what I think. For sure. Well, cause like when you, when you think you got it all figured out and you're the best and you're whatever you, um, you kind of close yourself off to, to anything that could help you grow. You know, they, um, there's a saying, you know, it's, it's hard to fill a cup that's already full, you know, meaning like, you know, somebody with a closed mind, you can't tell them nothing. They'll sit there and act interested and whatever, but they're just kind of counting the minutes till you stop talking. They're not actually trying to learn from you and accept the things that you're saying and try to, you know, make a connection. Um, and I think with anything, with any art out there or anything in general, any goal, um, you know, the goal is to, is to continue to grow, continue to, and the only way to do that is to have an open mind, you know, mm -hmm. having, uh, be receptive to things out there. Um, especially with things like, like jujitsu, you know, like there's always even the best guys in the world, you know, your hoist Gracie's, there was a time when that guy was, you know, like the God, he was the jujitsu God and he wasn't even the best Gracie. You know, there's always uh, always a bigger fish in the pond somewhere, whether he's discovered or not. And when we close ourselves off to that, um, you know, when we when we cap ourselves by thinking we know everything, we learned everything, we all, you know, then we limit ourselves. And then you, you know, that's when you get that's when you get stuck. True, man. I remember when I first started that, man, I was like, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm a big dude. You know, I can hold my own shoot, man. I got rolled up. I got, I got my ass kicked. I got my ass handed to me. And, and that right there, man, that was like, God, man, like I felt so embarrassed, you know, but the community there was so cool. They just said, man, just keep going. Like it's jujitsu. Like, and that was my first, I think that was like my first, like, like maybe like learning as an adult, you know, like fully putting myself out there on my own you know i don't have my family there i'm by myself you know and i just decided to do it and and it's like you know i felt like a failure but 
that I think that helped me like just a little bit, you know. And as I got older, I always knew, you know, there's there's more out there. There's more out there than just working at a casino, you know. There's just more out there because I have a lot of, you know, my friends, man, you know, they're all out there jump they've jumped you know a lot of them jumped and you know they're out there like just grinding and hustling and making stuff happen and but to me you know as a i guess as a a spectator maybe it's like you only see the finished product you know but you don't see the actual work that goes into that stuff you know and oh yeah i get it now you know it's like the stuff i've like this whole year year and a half or whatever it's like just constant i wouldn't say like excruciating like exhausting work you know it's just it's work i enjoy you know it's work getting people's life story out there giving people a platform that maybe they won't have or you know maybe inspiring inspiring somebody to go out there and do something you know and you know and and i mean it's it's endless you know the what what people can get out of something yeah oh <laughs> yo <laughs> I got food, man. Oh, God. What is that? A burger? Yes, sir. Hamburger, french fries. Oh, man. I got, I got the food. Dang. <laughs> now, but, um, yeah, no, man. That's, um, that's true, you know, like like anything else. Uh, I don't think anybody ever starts out and they're just the best at it. Like, uh-huh. like for example, like I said, I've been, I've been doing this for 11 years now, and I still feel... Like I, you know, by no means, like, am I at, you know, the top, the best, like, I still feel like, no, man, I need work, you know, like I need, uh, especially with things like comedy, like you got to stay up with, with current events and you gotta, you gotta write, you gotta continuously write. And then you need to get out there in front of anybody to try it. You know, you got to try your jokes. You got to try your timing. You got to get the you know, like, um, well, I do anyways, like, that's how mm-hmm. I do it. You know, like I'll write something and then I like, I'll think it's funny, but then when I try it out, like, well, that sucked cause they didn't get it. Well, maybe I need to set it up better or yeah, Hey, let me try this. And then I'll go out again. I'll try that. And like at my shows, that's where, that's where I'll, I'll carve out a portion. Like, I don't know, we're going to do, I'm going to dedicate five minutes to like, just trying new stuff. All this stuff is untested. I apologize if I piss anyone off or whatever, but like, you know, this is my new, I'm, I'm trying to iron this out. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then I'll just try it and then I'll kind of take mental notes about, it. I don't know, man, I need to scratch that or, or this works, but you don't, you know, cause especially coming from here, like I live in Poplar, Montana, They're the closest stand up comedy club, um, that's consistent is about four and a half hours away. That's the closest open mic we have is four and a half hours. Um, I don't know what that is in miles. We, in Montana, we measure things in, in like time increments, you know, like, oh, yeah, that's about two hours away. Um, so like any any opportunity I get, you know, like like to go whatever, man, like, oh, hey, yeah, let's go. And then here, try these out, man. Try these jokes, you know. Um, but man, that's that's the work. That's the grind. And I'll tell you the. Um, the one of the hardest rooms I've ever played was in um, was in Post Falls, Idaho. And uh, no, 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 it was Idaho Falls. It was Idaho Falls, Idaho. And there was a little bar down there. I forget. It's like the mint or something like that. Um, I got it through this guy and he, he like book shows all over the wherever. Um, and he, 
I was in contact with him and then he, he, he was the one that set it up. And so, uh, so we drive down there, just me and my wife go and we drive down there. And, um, I think this was probably, I probably been about, Oh God, this had to have been 2014, 2015, somewhere in there, probably 2014. Um, and so we go down there and I was still pretty new, you know, but up until then, like I had had some pretty generous crowds that were, you know, kind of ego boosting, kind of like, like, oh man, I got it. You know, like, man, I'm big time now. And so, so we get down to this room and, um, man, it was in a bar and, uh, it was rugged, dude. Like it, like nobody came out for the show. The only people that were there was like six people at the bar. And so the bar where the, um, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the bar from where the stage was at, the bar was facing. Oh man. Are we good? Hold up. Give it a second. It's kind of lagging. Okay. It's like trying to catch up with you. What about now? I think we're good. Wait. Dang, it keeps like lagging. It's weird. I think we're good now. This is horrible. <laughs> I'm going to turn my Wi-Fi off on my phone. There's too many devices. I already know what the problem is. There's too many devices on our internet. I think someone hacks our thing, you know, when people can't like uh. get their own internet and then they come and steal ours. I think that's what happened, but, um, yeah. oh no. Anyway. So yeah. So, so this room, man, like it was a tough crowd. I got up and I did my set and it's like, uh, it's like, um, when you tell a joke that usually kills and, it, and, and it's silent, like you don't get the reaction that you're normally used to getting, like it messes with you or well, me, it did like, it really messed with me. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, I'm not funny anymore. And, um, like it was tough, man. I, up until that point, I was certain certain i had a solid 20 minutes i ran through every joke i had in about seven minutes just out of fear just kind of like one after the other man just trying to get a reaction or something from the crowd you know and uh i i didn't i didn't and i think that's what i was hired for was like 20 minutes or 15 minutes or something like that after seven minutes i was done i was out of material i was i was blank it was like what do i do now and I couldn't think of anything else. So I just brought the guy up and I was like, all right, well, here, let's put our hands together for your headliner. And it was a guy, uh, his name's Rodney Norman. He's, um, he's a comedian out of Salt Lake is where uh, he said he was from. And he does comedy around like the Salt Lake area and all that. But anyways, he did his set and I watched him and his, he was good, man. Like, and then, but he got done and we got to talking. And, uh, I let him know, you know, like how I felt. He's like, what would you think? I was like, dude, I, I told him everything. I just told you, I was certain I had 20 minutes and I, I, I don't know the, the, the room, like it was just kind of like, it messed with me. The, the reaction from my first joke that messed with me. And I just, it kind of pushed me into this, uh, you know, like this panic mode and, um, and he said, he said, uh, one of the, probably the most important thing I've ever heard as a comedian, he said, it's, it's rooms like this where comedians learn how to be comedians. Um, and it, and, uh, that really stuck with me, you know? And after that, I kind of started to, uh, to welcome those type of 
environments, you know, like those tough crowds or whatever. Um, I started to kind of like, uh, you know, be more open to that and, and kind of be, be aware of it, be comfortable in that uncomfortable, you know, learn how to jump in and swim and not sink. Um, but yeah, that was to this day, that was probably one of the toughest rooms I played was in Idaho and who knows, man, like maybe I'd like to go back there one day, like just to, just to see, you know, like, like this is how far I was when I was here last time, like just to see how much I grew, you know, like, and who knows, maybe I'll suck more. I don't know. <laughs> something I want to try. Did you start your, uh, is that where you started your comedy? And what did you say? Pablo? Montana? Poplar. P-O-P-L-A-R. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I was going to say, I think there's a, isn't there one called Pablo? P-A-B-L-O? In Montana? So, yeah, Pablo, Montana. I, I We say Pablo. But we, Pablo. People say we have accents too. I don't know. So Pablo is over on the Flathead Reserve. Um, okay reservation yeah that's like over by r lee and um um polson um, over by that way anyway real nice wow. over there pretty yeah well i was gonna say if you if you if that if that's where you lived uh we went to skc over there to play basketball but that's that's not important we lost oh, okay <laughs> 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 no but is so is that where yeah, you they got a good program over there oh yeah they man they they, were, they win those championships every year man it's it's ridiculous man they got crazy athleticism shout out to them <laughs> dang man sure. i hate your lagging or whatever that's so weird i know it's it's, yeah, it's horrible. a it's I a delay for that it's all good man we'll we'll get through it I've had it happen before, <laughs> but, um, I could try it on my phone. You want me to try it on my phone? I'm on a laptop right now. No, no, I think, I think we're good. I just, good? Have, yeah. If you can, if you're able to hear me, I'll just try to slow it down. Hear you good. Yeah. Okay, cool. But, um, so is that where you started your career at? Was where is where you live now or was it on your, um, where you originally from? No, so I was I was actually living in Haver, which is about four hours uh, west of us, and I was living with my brother at the time when I first started out, and then um, yeah, it just kind of we we bounced around. We we lived with her dad for a while, and then we lived on uh on my res in Fort Belknap for a little bit. We lived in Billings for a little bit. And now we've kind of um, we kind of settled in Poplar. Our oldest is getting ready to start high school next year, and um, you know our other girls, they're you know they're kind of kind of putting their roots in here. So this is this is probably the where where we're gonna be at for the next god twenty years. See because when our oldest. Our oldest is getting ready to go into high school. That's going to be four years of her life. And as soon as she gets done with that, there's one of them knocking right now. Um, I can't. Let me, let me get done with this meeting and then I'll come out, okay? Okay, babe? Okay, 
Yes, you can have that. What is it? Yes, go get it. Okay. I'm sorry, man. Oh, you're good, bro. It's all good. <laughs> hey, close the door. Thank you. Bye. Sorry about that. Um, oh, you're good, man. No, no, no. But like, so, so our oldest is getting ready to go into high school. And by the time she graduates, our middle girl, she'll be starting high school. And, you know, you really hate to pull a kid out and transfer them to a different school when all their friends, everything they've ever known is, you know, right there. And so, so if we let one finish high school, we only see it fair to like, well, she's going to be starting high school. We might as well let her finish out. By the time she graduates, our youngest will be going there. All our kids are like four years apart. I don't know how that happened. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's, that's what it is. Wow. That sacred number. <laughs> Something. That's crazy. Four, four years apart. And you got three kids? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got, I got three daughters that I know about. We still talk about like, uh, <laughs> we still talk about like, like, no, me and my wife have this ongoing joke. That's like, what are you going to do? If like, there's a knock at the door one day and some like 18 year old kid goes, oh, my mom said you're my dad. And, you know, it's like, what am I going to do? What are you going to do? You know, but no, we have, we have people, so. <laughs> that's funny dang that's dope though man i mean <clears throat> well i kind of get the feeling of i guess like because we we're starting to do live like podcasts at mm, at a it's called the shrine it's a it's just a concert hall here it's it's a little older it's been around for a long time but i mean I mean, there's acts that came through there over the years. I mean, there's they got posters all over the wall and stuff. And we did that March 10th. And, bro, like, that was pretty scary. Like, because you, I mean, you don't know if, like, honestly, to be honest, I was like, oh, I hope nobody shows up. <laughs> because I was like, I hope, like, nobody shows up. And I hope, like, we just talk to ourselves and. Cause I was scared, man. I was so scared, and but everybody just everybody says the same thing all the time. They're like, just you do this all the time. Like, just go out there and you're just hanging out and you're having fun and you're just talking and and like I remember when we went up on stage. There's probably like I'd say like 20 people there, and then by the time we got on the stage, there was like 50, close to 50 people there, and then when we got done, there was like way more people there. But the the thing that helped out, I guess, like that kind of just helped me get through it was like the light is so bright. That spotlight, it's right up on you. So you don't see like exactly like that dark area in the whole center. Like you just see like if you look up and you see that bright light and then you're just there kicking it with your friends on stage. And so, you know, that's that was a new uncomfortable experience for me. Like that was crazy. Full disclosure, man, every time I go on stage, like right up until that first, I get that, that first laugh, there's butterflies, there's fear there. There's like just the, you know, pre-stage jitters, man. Like, all right, here we go. And this is after 11 years, man. Like it's still there. It's still like, whew. but I mean, it's, 
it's a little different in the sense that like in the beginning it was like kind of an uncertainty oh god i hope you know whatever now it's it's more of a um an anticipation thing and like like let's go do this man i can't wait to see who's out there who's sitting in the front row and man who can i um because crowd work is another aspect of stand-up you know when you're going through material and you draw a blank or you run out you got to feel those waves so it's like let me start up a conversation and that's something i never i never like when you're watching stand-up comedians and you watch them do that you just figure oh he wrote that into his act you know he like wrote pick on someone and talk about Easter eggs or something, you know, and then they'll, they'll talk about that. But then when you're up there doing it, you kind of find out like, like, no man, a lot of that stuff, like is, um, you know, just kind of off the cuff, you know, it's like you talk, talk about, you know, just asking someone a question, you know, sir, right here in the gray shirt, what do you do for a living? You know, and they'll, they'll, they'll say something that will spark a conversation or, or even if it's about kids, or marriage or COVID or like whatever, man, like you can, you can strike up a conversation right there in the audience. And that's interesting. People want to see that people want to see people talking about, you know, well, I mean, I'm sure you know this as a, as a, as a podcast hoster, like that's, you know, you sit someone down, let me get to know you a little bit. Let's talk about some real world issues, man. You know, and then you just kind of, you go at it you have fun. And that's what's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fear, yeah. Driving fear. I think that's normal, man. You know, yeah. Like we were saying, like it nobody wants to fail, but that's a that's a real possibility. And I was like, I might go out here and fall on my face, man. Who knows? But but that's the other part of it is like I would rather know. I would rather jump and know than sit there and wonder for 10 years what would have happened you know, have those conversations about like, I had a chance once to do this and I never did it, but I'll bet you if I did, uh, I would have been this way. It's like, well, you'll never know. All you can do is speculate, man. Now you get to tell stories. If you jump, it's like, I did do that, man. And I sucked. All right. Yeah. Whatever happened, but I did it. You know, man. Yeah. That's what my dad does. He, uh, he lived in California for a little bit and he was saying, he always goes, I mean, he doesn't always go back to it, but there's times where he's like, he'll think about California and he'll think about this time where he always says like, man, is I had a chance to be a stunt man. This guy, like, you know, he was a stunt man and, and he asked me, you know, like, what would you do it? And he said, yes, but then he backed out or something. And he said, and. He's like, I could have been a stunt man. He's like, I wonder where that would have went. And I just want to say, like, you should have just did it. Like, like, why didn't you just do it? I don't know. But I think I don't know. He just said, like, he just backed out for some reason and he didn't do it, you know. And and I look at that too. It's like, you know, I mean, his story and everybody's story. It's like I hear people talk about stuff like that all the time, like, like, oh, you know, I should have did this, man. Or like people I've worked with over the years too, you know, they're older and they're like, man, when I was younger, man, I had this dope opportunity. I had this crazy opportunity. I don't know why I didn't jump on it. You know, and back then it's like, well, I don't know. You probably had stuff to do, but now it's like, now it's like, well, you should have done it. Like, why not just go out there and do it? You know, it is scary. You know, you don't know the outcome, but 
at least you know it'll be a cool cool story you could be like yeah the stunt man yeah i did this for uh well my dad's pretty old i don't know who he could have stunt man for but <laughs> yeah no man that's it like you know we have these conversations all the time about um you know i'd rather i want to be the guy when i'm 80 or whatever um that can tell a story about how i did you know and not what would have happened if i did Mm -hmm. um because that's really that's really what it comes down to man like we're here you know we're we're put down here however you look at it um and it goes by so fast you know especially um i don't know like when i started having kids man like life seemed like it just started to fly our oldest just turned 14 and i i remember the day she was born and it's like man where did that time go you know and it's just it's over you hear people talk about it all the time especially old people i remember in high school oh don't blink you know man it flies by so fast you know and all this and and you think because all the whole time you're younger, all you're trying to do is get older. I just want to be older so I can, uh, whatever, you know, I can do this and that and not, I'll have all these rules on me. And then you, you start to make that, you know, you start to live that and you realize like, holy shit, like, where did life go? Like life's passing me by, man. And, and so rather than live that life of regret and, and what if I would have, what if, it's like, no, nah, man, you got to, you got to take those opportunities. You know, if you pass by too many of them, they'll stop coming. Yeah. Um, and you never know, like, and it, even if it goes sideways, at least you get a good story out of it. Like do it on that basis alone. Shoot. Man. <clears throat> Shout out to life, man. Shout out to life. It's like, that's it, man. Oh my God, dude. I remember growing up too, thinking the same thing. Like I want to, I want to be old so I can do whatever I want. And when you get old enough, you got just got to pay bills. And- <laughs> yeah, like this oh. sucks. I want to, I want to live at home again, man. Yeah. I want to be a kid again. I want to yeah. take naps. <laughs> man, yeah, I, I just totally regret just being a kid and just wanting to be an adult. God, and now you know, like time flies, dude. Time flies, and it's so weird how just you're already. I'm 33 about to be 34 and it's like, wow. Like, you know, and, but I don't know. It's, it's weird because before this, it was like, time was, time was moving, but it was slower because what, like we talked about earlier, you're stuck in that routine of getting up, going to your job. I work night shifts, so it sucked, but going to your job, coming home, sleeping or maybe staying awake for a few hours and watching TV and then going to sleep and then doing that all over again, you know, and it, and you know, that's that comfortability we were talking about, but now, you know, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing something every, every week, every weekend I'm doing, you know, I'm doing something, I'm going, I'm either traveling or I'm staying here promoting something, I'm meeting new people. And right now, man, it's like, all of last year just it just flew by i took buddy like my year flew by and what's crazy is like you think about it like i release episodes a month so that's like weekly weekly stuff every month and it just like i i don't know because i'm so busy like making flyers i'm so busy editing 
doing all kind of stuff, man. And then I do more, you know, just in this, but, but I mean, time's crazy, man. Like I, I try to enjoy it as much as I can, like in the present, you know, and I, <clears throat> I don't worry so much about the future because right now I'm enjoying what it is right now. You know, I know some people can get stuck in like, well, I got to worry about my future. I got to worry about, you know, what's, what's tomorrow, you know? And, and I try to, you know, people like ask me like, how do you, how do you keep up with all this? Like, what do you think about like what you're doing next week? Or I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing next week. Like something may pop up and I do that. Like, I, like, it's just, it's just me living in time, like in the moment. That's what it is. You know, and that was hard to do. That was really hard to do because I was always living in the past and I was always worried about the future. But right now, you know, I'm I'm trying to live in the moment of what it is right now. You know, that's that's one of the hardest things to do is to try to be, you know, to have that awareness to be here in the now because we're always thinking about like, you know, oh, I got to get up tomorrow. I got to do this, I got to do that. And then or we're worrying mm-hmm. about something that happened yesterday. And I think, you know, in the whole construct of time, like, especially when we're younger. So I'm going to be 40 this year, man. Um, when, when, when we're younger, I think we make the mistake of thinking we have enough time. Oh, mm. no, I'm going to do, and we put stuff off. No, I have time. I'll do it. There. No, I'll, I'll have time. No, don't worry. And then you get to a place where it's like, holy shit, I, I don't have any time. Like, the, like these months are flying by, man. These years are flying by. And I need to quit doing that. I need to quit saying, oh, I'll make time. I'll do it. Like, do it now. You know, do it right now. There's never a better time than right now. Because like all of that stuff, um, you know, it's a cliche thing to say, but like, it's not guaranteed. Tomorrow isn't guaranteed. Hell, the next hour, an hour from right now is not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. You don't know, like that's the reality of it. People, people get comfortable in thinking, that, oh, I'm always going to have time. It's always going to. And that's, I think, you know, one of the biggest things to, to understand or to, to grasp is that, no, you don't, man. You know, you don't have the time to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, people think I'm crazy when I talk like that. It's like, I think about, like, I don't think about death. I think about, <clears throat> you know, I could, I could pass away tonight in my sleep, you know, or I can get in a wreck tomorrow somewhere, you know, or something crazy. It's a reality. And it is, it's a reality, you know, it's a reality to, you have to accept, you're not in control of what anything this life is, you know, going to take away or going to give you, you know, you just have to try to your best every day and hope, well, not hope, but, you know, reassure yourself that everything will work out, you know, the way it's supposed to. Just do it with a good heart. And, you know, like speaking of death, that's always such a stigmatized thing in Indian country. Like, you know, oh, don't talk like that. Don't, don't, you know, but like, that's the one certainty. That is the one guarantee in this life you can take to the bank. You mm-hmm. are going, you are going to pass away. Like that's, that's, it's inevitable. It's coming for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so like, we don't, uh, you know, in fact, in our way and our teachings, we're taught not to fear it. You know, that's where the saying comes from. Like, today's a good day to die, you know, because it's like, look, look, that's not, and that's not saying uh, I wish to die or I want to die or I have a death wish or anything like that. That's not saying that, man. That's like saying, Mm -hmm. look, like that's, that's kind of how you, you almost have to live, man. It's like, look at, if you, 
answer the question, what, what would happen if you didn't wake up tomorrow? What would you regret? What, who would you want to call and say something to that you never got the chance? You know, what would you do to, uh, you know, like all of these questions come to mind. And those are indicators of things you should be doing right now. Whatever you wrote down on that piece of paper, look at it and do it right now. I don't care what time it is. Pick the phone up. Call your mom. Call your dad. If, if, they're still, if you're still fortunate enough to have them in your life, call them and, and say whatever you wanted to say. Or call that friend and, and say whatever. Or, or, or do this. Or go, you know, book a, 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 an appointment to jump out of an airplane. Or, or whatever it is, man. Like, like, whatever you put on that, start doing it. Mm -hmm. You know, don't say, I'll make time. I'll do this. Like, go do it, man. Go do it right now. I always wanted to try acting. I always wanted to be in a band. Go fucking get in a band, man. Like, there's plenty of people out there starting that kind of stuff. I'm sure they got room for you, man. Um, go do it, you know? Oh, man. For real. I mean, that's how it is, man. You know? And, and yeah, you know, I think the same thing. I'm not ever wishing for death. You know, I'm not ever wanting it. But I know it's coming. You know, I know it's just around the corner maybe but and yes. i try you know and that's that's the thing man i just have to accept it you know it's coming and i don't know when who knows you know only creator knows whatever but you know i'm here to do the work i'm supposed to do you know and i think i found it but I'm, i don't know maybe there's still more to do but you know maybe there's still more to find out which there always is you know and that'll come in time so yeah like it well i was gonna ask you um did you have you had any hecklers like crazy hecklers um not any no not anything like that like just so i can't say that i have man i've had people like ask questions or you know like point something out and we can have a conversation around that but as far as like hecklers you know like try harder or boo you suck you know like i've never had anything like that and i don't um you know honestly like i i wouldn't uh you know i i talk to the guy you know i'd be like man i'd be i'd be curious to know what they do for a living you know like sir tell me tell me what you do for a living i mean you know obviously you're here like like is it do you have a you have a shitty job and you just kind of want to end it on a, on a high note. And then, or, or like, uh, what do you do? You know, like I, I, I can, I can definitely relate because here's the thing, man, like this guy don't like me and it's not, it's not personal. Let's take, let's take for example, any situation when someone comes at you with a, you know, cutting you down saying you're doing this, you're not doing that or whatever. And just trying to make you feel bad there's a really good chance most of that, like 90% of that is stuff that's going on with them. Has nothing to do with you. You're the scapegoat, okay? All of that anger and that aggression and that resentment and whatever else they bring, you know, you're just a scapegoat, you know? So when people like unload on me, dump on me and whatever, um, you know, I really... I really try to be in that, uh, you know, we're talking about being in the moment, being self-aware. I really try to be aware like of what's going on and try to understand about like, man, I wonder where this is coming from with this guy, you know, or this girl or whoever it is like, what kind of day have they had? What kind of, 
what if they just lost their mom and they're just like, you know, or something, man, like that's probably got more to do with them than it does. Because we as people, when that happens to us, we tend to personalize it. We internalize it and we take it, you know, like oh, that was a direct shot at me. Who do you think you are? F you, man. You know, and then we meet them at that level and nothing productive gets done. But if we stop, you know, and just take a second and don't let emotion take over and try to like understand, like, man, I bet you that's something going on with them and not so much what, what, what I'm doing, you know, I'm probably just catching the blunt force. So, okay, man, I can, I can accept that. I'll let them, you know, but I mean, I, I only understand that because so like that's that's kind of part of, of my, my educational background. I got an associate's degree in psychology and I got a bachelor's degree in social work. And so a big part of that is human relations, like communication, understanding um, social constructs, um, you know, dynamics, people's upbringings, uh, all that sort of thing. You know? I love I love meeting you. I love getting to know you. I loved hearing your, you know, your comedy journey, man. And it was amazing. It was amazing. Well, hey, man, thanks. Thanks for um, reaching out. And, um, you know, thanks for the invite. You know, I appreciate that. And, um, you know, it's been great. It's been an honor. And I look forward to doing it again. Yeah. Um, before we go, do you want to plug up where to follow you and keep get a hold of you maybe? Man, I'm on. Um, um, if you look up, mostly I'm on Facebook. I'm on, I think I'm on Instagram. But if you go to like... Uh, Beef Comedy, B-E-E-F-C-O-M-E-D-Y. On any of those, I think you'll come across me. Uh, or Donovan Arshambo. Um, it won't let me put Beef Arshambo. I tried that and like it. I don't know. Their Lame. security measures or whatever said. Like it, it didn't think it was a real name. And I was like, fuck you. That's my real name, man. You know, and, but so but but like if you go to any i think even twitter i haven't been on twitter in so long i think i just got that account to like be one of the cool kids it's got no action i have like maybe four followers i never post on it it's just like they're collecting dust you know i figure well when i get big you know then then i'll just kind of wake it up and then i'll still have it but no man mostly it's um mostly it's instagram and facebook um look up beef comedy on any one of those I got to do a better job of like putting my stuff out there. I don't even have a website. Like how unprofessional is that? You know, like the homeless guy across the street has a website. You've been doing this for 11 years. You don't got a website. What are you doing, man? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, those are, those are two of the, the main platforms that I'm on. Um, so yeah, man, keep me up. Yeah. Everybody hit them up. Let them know if you want them to come to your, your city, your town, wherever, go follow them, keep up with them. This man is very funny. I'll make sure to come to your Oklahoma show. And yes. um, everybody go follow Oki Podcast if you haven't. Uh, it's on Instagram at Oki Podcast at Rustmus49. Uh, Oki Podcast is available Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out the website, okipodcast.com. And live show, May, May 19th. The Shrine, myself, Toke Signals, and Skoden Cinema and the Magnus Podcast. We will be live under the With All Due Respect umbrella. And yeah, so thanks for coming on, bro. We'll have to do it again. Part two coming soon. And until next time, everybody, peace. All right, be good, man.